Just a reminder that those are still available on your podcast if you missed them. If you didn't understand that joke, sometimes they get better the second or third. No, they don't. Before I begin, I need to make a a preparation for next week's message. And um, I don't want to give away some of the best parts, but a portion of the service will be looking at the stories behind some of our favorite hymns. We've done this from time to time, but next week we're really going to focus on, you know, praise. And I really want to talk about some of the some of the wonderful stories and words, and sometimes the stories aren't that wonderful. There's there are periods of pain or discomfort that people have gone through, and they've written these beautiful poems or songs or lyrics or whatever that become the hymns that we love. And I want to be sure to include some of our favorites, and I, I have my own certainly, but if you guys wouldn't mind kind of telling me what which ones that really they have a good memory, you remember from your youth, you like that we sing them regularly now, shout them out. I'll pick them. You may not like them. <laughs> hymns. Uh, uh, f- some favorite hymns. What's Name some of your favorite hymns. In the Garden. In the Garden. The old Rugged Cross. Old Rugged Cross. Just as I am. Just as I am. <laughs> Amazing Grace. Of course, you can't do uh, do this without it as well with my soul, because that's a great story. Anything else? Okay. Faith of our fathers. Faith of our fathers. Okay. And if you think of anything else, just send me a text this week or email. We're going to look, it's, it, the next week's message is called um, How to Worship a King. And we're going to talk about praise and, and not just through our hymns, but through everything we do from communion to the prayer time to the teaching time. And, and there's a great part where we're going to look at some of the hymns. And like I said, I want to visit some of the stories behind them because it's fascinating. We sing them and sometimes we listen to words a little closer than others. Um, but they're all written from the heart of someone as a means of worship, and I really want to look at a couple of these, so I'm looking forward to that. So, Do you recognize the characters on the screen? I mean, it's the Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. How many of those do you think you could name? I'm not going to make you do it, but I can, I can name them all, but I'm kind of a movie junkie. So, I try to have a little fun with the title of the message each week, and I've been known to use them as a bit of a teaser on the roadside sign, and and on my Twitter feed, and I think thanks for nothing probably was the big shocker on Thanksgiving, but remember what we talked about. Sometimes we're thanking God for the things that didn't happen, for the, the lack of problems in our life. But, but it's true, these fine men, women, and the Hulk, whatever he is, uh, are not our true heroes, right? We know that, um, uh, that God the Father and Jesus the Son are our heroes, and we can't forget about the spirit that, that guides us into doing things that are good for our soul. But, but this week we're not going to look at who our hero is or who our hero isn't, we're going to continue to look at how our hero responds and acts in this series. And as you can guess from the title, God does not avenge. He desires justice and fairness, but he is not vengeance-seeking. For our perfect judge, it's not about getting even or getting ahead. There's a lesson for us in this and how he acts and responds. And it's certainly not our role or responsibility to judge who needs to be avenged or who needs to be taught a lesson. But before I dive into this week's topic, I'd like to digress for a minute. 
Last week, we started a new message series. We began focusing on knowing God, where we're studying his character. And last week's message was, is God not safe for work? We talked about this dilemma of obediently sharing God's word and the good news about our salvation and discipling the others in, in what is considered to be what a politically correct world. How do we do that? And as we looked at the core purpose of the politically correct movement, we noted that society expects us to do two things. They expect us to be inclusive, right? Include everybody, get along with everybody, and be sensitive. And when we held up this notion to what we know about God, we were reminded that Christianity is all-inclusive. God created everyone. God loves everyone. God intends blessings and salvation for absolutely everyone, and he wants to spend an eternity with everyone. It breaks his heart when we can't do these things because of stuff we do that preclude us from being able to have that relationship with him. And we can't get more inclusive than that, than this kind of relationship that he wants. And as we reflected on sensitivity, we referred back to scripture where we are commanded to, in our hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared, it says, to give an answer to everyone who asks to give the reason for the hope we have. And the passage continued, but do this with gentleness and respect. That's Peter 3, 15, 16. Do you see that we are called to be gentle and respectful to everybody? To love and accept without condition or exclusion. But we don't always get it right, do we? So for the past few weeks, which has included parts of two message series, we've continually revisited this commandment to love everyone. I think we agreed that it's, there's barriers, and maybe barriers is a harsh term. So there's challenges, let's call them challenges. There, there are challenges to loving everyone. We certainly commit that it's very difficult when the person you're called to love has hurt you or disappointed you. Maybe you completely disagree with some of the choices they've made or the way they view politics or the world or something else. And maybe you harbor some resentment or maybe it's envy that you, you hold inside. And perhaps someone feels that way about you or about me. Go ahead and flip the slide, Heather. So I chose this slide. Maybe we wish we had something like this little voodoo doll representation we can abuse an effigy, right? So when we get a little mad at that other driver or so-and-so, yeah. We can hide behind so many seemingly valid reasons to not love someone as God has instructed us to do. But I don't believe that anything can hold us back more effectively than the failure to forgive someone. I often say that I speak and teach on things that I need to hear myself, and this morning is another one of those moments. I dove into scripture to seek some guidance to help me overcome the thing that so often holds me back from being obedient to God's commandment to love, and this is some of what I learned. See, first and foremost, God has forgiven you. He's forgiven me and he's forgiven you. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteous unrighteousness. It's another one of those if-then statements we studied a couple months ago. If we do this, then God does that. If we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive. It also says he cleanses us. Like sin and negativity and, and the stuff it just sticks to us like dirt, right? And it feels gross, right? He cleanses us. And when I like the word cleanse, it seems gentle, right? He rinses us off. Forgiveness, as God models, is like a bath or a gentle shower, not the bath you took back there, June. But <laughs> a gentle shower, it's not a power scrub. It's not a fire hose blasting you clean. It's a, it's a gentle cleansing. Even the act of our um, baptism 
It's a gentle process. Hebrews 8, 12, God says these words, I will forgive their wickedness, remember their sins no more. See, God truly forgives and he forgets. It's that second part we sometimes have trouble with. We are often the one that holds on to the guilt and the regret, aren't we? And that voice that tells you that you messed up and that you aren't good enough, that's not from him. The voice that says that person messed up and they're going to do it again, that's not from him. He does convict. He says, that's not what I want them to do. That's not what I want you to do. But he doesn't condemn. And I was reminded that God is committed to this process. And this brought me some peace. When we studied faith a few months ago, we learned that we are called to take the first step. Remember, to extend faith. God will meet us and then we can take another step and he meets our faith again. And the cycle continues as we continue to grow and mature in our faith. We take more steps in faith and it takes a little further step because now our faith is here and now we're, we're stretching out here and God continues to meet us every time. But when it came to forgiveness, God went first. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get it right and then send his son to die for our sins when we were at a low moment or when we first messed up. Just like we don't wait until we're perfect or have all the answers to set foot in church, do we? We come with a hopeful expectation of what God will do. Now I said, first and foremost, God forgives you and likewise, we must forgive others. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another, Marrying with one another, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. See, God's forgiveness isn't just setting the standard forgiveness. It also isn't just to make a point, I forgave you, now go pay it forward. It doesn't work just like that. It is, it's, in the context of the passage, you can see that the Lord's forgiveness came first. As the Lord has forgiven you, then you do it. It says, if you haven't asked for forgiveness, then you haven't received it. And again, if you can't, Give what you haven't received yourself. God has given you forgiveness. Accept it, receive it, ask for it, and then you'll have it to give to others. And this is so important that it was included in the model prayer that Jesus taught us, right? We said this morning, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or perhaps you prefer the translation that says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In either case, we are to forgive and to be forgiven. The statement is found in Matthew 6, 12. And if you kept reading through verses 14 and 15, you'll find these words. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I don't want the forgiveness of my sins, whether they're big or little. I don't want my, the forgiveness of my sins to hinge on whether or not I'm holding a grudge over someone's hurtful words or whatever they may have done to me. For me, it's not worth it. I need that salvation. I need that forgiveness. And of course, we know this. Withholding forgiveness can come between people, even if it's unspoken. Proverbs 17, 9. I love Proverbs because they're almost like little fortune cookies. You know, it says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Let me say that again. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it just separates close friends. Now remember, we're called to love. So is there a secret hurt or resentment towards a friend or family member that you're harboring? If so, consider what the Lord wants you to do with that this morning. And there is a Christian process for dealing with infighting, and it's described in Matthew 18. I encourage you to look at it. It talks about how to deal 
with people that are hard to deal with, especially in the context of church. But during my studies on the topic, I was also reminded that true forgiveness is thorough and complete. This is that part we have trouble with, right? Hebrews 10, 17 says, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Jeremiah 31, 34, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. If we're keeping some sort of tally of hurts and offenses made by someone, have we really forgiven them? Or do we just kind of push it back until the next time where we go, aha, that's the third time that this has happened. Isaiah 1.18, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Again, gentle guidance. Come, let us reason. Though your skins, sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. All of these scriptures were God's words, his promises. But they keep doing it. I find myself saying that, right? Or it was an egregious offense. Scripture is clear that we are not limited. We are not to limit the number of times that we forgive. And we certainly don't want him to be limited, do we? We've talked about some of the repetitious sins. We mess up. We ask for forgiveness. We're forgiven. We're good for a while, then we mess up again, and we ask for forgiveness, and we are forgiven. Since God has lovingly committed to forgiveness, there are only two ways to break this cycle. First, and this is the best one, stop the sinning, right? But we can also break the cycle by not asking for the forgiveness, and that's bad. When we stop repenting, we are just sinning on top of sinning. The cycle of sin has now become a downward spiral that leads nowhere good. And I mean that literally and figuratively. But take heart. Take heart. You may ask for forgiveness again at any time, but don't delay. This morning is a perfect time for you to come back into God's grace. And this really speaks to my final point. Forgive yourself. You are called to love everyone, and that includes you. You, my brother, my sister, you are a child of God, worthy of love, worthy of respect. Don't hesitate to extend the love and mercy that you deserve to yourself as well as to others. And again, you can't give others what you haven't received yourself. Sometimes the hardest thing for us to do after we've done something wrong is to forgive ourselves. We tend to be our harshest critics. We beat ourselves up long after others have forgiven us or forgotten. But true repentance is paramount when we're in the wrong. But the Bible also reminds us that it's important to learn from our mistakes and then to move on, truly, fully, and completely forgiving yourself. Forgiveness, it's a powerful force. It's a type of love. It allows us to let go of resentment and anger. Even though we could rationalize our hatred for those who have wronged us, it is in our best interest to have peace, at least as internal peace, and to forgive them. And isn't that what God does? Reverend D.L. Moody once said, a great many people want to bring their faith, their works, their good deeds to him for salvation. Bring your sins, he says, and he will bear them away in the wilderness of forgetfulness and you will never see them again. And Martin Luther King Jr. once said, let no man pull you so low as to hate him. While you should not tolerate the wrongdoings of others, it is right to condemn and forgive their sins, sinful actions towards you. Finally, in Paul's letter to Ephesians 4, 31, 32, he writes, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Now, I love Paul. He's like the master of closing the loopholes. If you remember some of his letters, he'll list all these things just to make sure that you know that everything's included. So he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger 
and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, real quickly, I want to introduce you to a psalm that captures the spirit of this message very well. It's called Forgiveness. And it was written and sung by Matthew West. And let's listen to all the words. In fact, I put the words on the back of the bulletin, but I believe they're on the screen as well. So if you indulge me for a few minutes, I'd like to share the song with you.
Matthew West is a Christian songwriter and kind of a storyteller, and a lot of his songs have messages like that. And just sometimes you hear a song that just captures the words you really want to say, and I hope you, you capture those words, and if not, maybe read them on the back of your bulletin again, because show me how to love the unlovable, to reach the unreachable, to do the impossible, to give forgiveness. It sets you free. You remember this, not that? There are certain things that can't both exist. You can't love and forgive and hate and have contempt for someone. You replace, you can't, you replace those things with forgiveness. Forgiveness is the process and you replace it with love. And that doesn't mean best friends are running out for coffee. We talked about that this morning. It just means you love them for who they are, for the character, the, the, the creation that God made. So friends, do not live with the burden of unforgiveness any longer. I titled this message, Your Hero is Not an Avenger, and this is true. But if you are wronged or hurt as a result of someone else's sin, God will do what a good judge does. Romans 12, 18 through 21, if, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Do not overcome by evil, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So if it's possible, as far as it's up to you, you're only responsible for your peace. The forgiveness, whether you say it out loud or you just do it genuinely in your heart, it's not with an expectation of it's okay or anything else. It's strictly an internal soul thing for you to give forgiveness. It sets you free. Do not become overcome by evil, right? Overcome evil with good. That good, I'm talking about Jesus. Do you know him? If something were to happen to you after leaving the surface, is your soul prepared? Friends, don't leave this place without making the most important decision you will make in this life. Psalm 86.5, this almost writes, Oh Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. In Hebrews 4.16, let us have confidence then. I love that, confidence. And approach God's throne with confidence where there's grace. There will be, there we will receive mercy and find grace to help us just when we need it. Let's pray. Father God, help us to find and take with us the confidence to approach the throne where we will receive your grace and mercy. God, help us learn from the examples that you have set, that your son has set, that many of the wise men and women in the Bible have set for us. Help us to not be controlled or affected or influenced by our pride, by our anger, frustrations, or our need to feel like we need to get even or get ahead. God, help us to find forgiveness for all that need it. And God, especially help us to find forgiveness for ourselves where we have fallen short or hurt ourselves or disappointed ourselves or anybody else. God, just like everybody else around us, we are your child. You love us unconditionally. And there's no greater love than that. Amen. I want to close with a, a hymn, and you may be familiar with it, Nothing But the Blood. And I'd like to, to sing it. And again, really, really want to pay attention to the words.
because Jesus' blood, which was shed for us, is the ultimate forgiveness. Let's stand, please.